Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Parental discretion is advised. State-of-the-art Japanese animation. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Otaku Host Club podcast. My name's Amelia, and I'm always joined here with Christella and Jeff. Hi. Hey. (laughs) Alternate universe. Amelia, your voice has gotten way deeper. (laughs) Yes. And and I'm I'm, I'm always always a regular regular host on this show. Yes. Yes. Okay. Did you have a, a a wild binger last night? Did you did you do bar hopping and destroy your your body? Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I'm I, fuck. I'm so <laughs> tired. No. My name is Dan. I uh, I'll, I'll. This is a, a testament to my dedication to this podcast slash the. Uh, my inability to manage my time appropriately, apparently, because I, by the time I, I made it, I intended to watch our, our current discussion topic uh, last night, set aside my Saturday night to do this, uh, but then I wound up getting guest listed onto a big gig, and I felt obliged to go, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just go, you know, watch Ryan and Luck do their thing, and then I'll be out the door, but... Then I got home at 2 a.m. and had to drive 20 minutes to find the uh, the only store still open at 2 a.m. in the Twin Cities. I fucking hate the lack of late night options. Even the 24-hour grocery store was closed. It's like, why the fuck is this closed? Mm-mm. Damn. Um, I bought a lot of Starburst and iced tea and came back. I watched the first Barefoot Gun movie from 2 to 4 a.m., uh, then I slept for a few hours, got up at nine and watched the second one. I'm very tired, but I have seen both of the barefoot Gen movies. And if I was less tired, I'd have even more to say about it. <laughs> that makes two of us. And we have Christella. She'll be our sponge today hi uh yeah, i'm subbing in for amelia <laughs> that sounds bad <laughs> that's okay <laughs> i'm i'm apparently a sponge that's great wow. thanks Jeff. Yeah, wow <laughs> well at least he didn't call you an awful wolf, <laughs> <laughs> awful wolf. Uh, i did not spend the dedication that dan has i've never seen barefoot again either of the movies and uh i'm 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 kind of remiss as to what exactly is the topic today what are we talking about again what's going on well 
I was I was moved by the Barbenheimer. So you have a movie for me? Yes, yes sir, sir, I do. Wait, why are there two of you? Oh, well, we got to chatting, and we have a very exciting once-in-a-lifetime double feature opportunity here. Two absolute blockbusters. What are you talking about? Well, my movie's about the popular kids doll Barbie, and mine's a historical drama about J. Robert Oppenheimer, father of the atomic bomb. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I was fascinated by... Hi, Barbie. The I don't know if it's astroturfing, but or or just like the enormous promotional budget of the Barbie movie. But the Barbie movie really made an impact on me because every single friend group of mine brought up the Barbie movie in conversation. But like everybody I knew had seen this fucking movie. Um, but I did not go see it. Oh, they no. Twist of fate. Normally I go, well, normally when everybody's talking about something, I, I'll go see it out of curiosity. But I suppose in the end that only applies to stuff that's like deemed sketchy or inappropriate. Like when people were like, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey is really naughty. I was like, oh, word, I'm going to go see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Barbie movie, nobody really had anything negative to say about it. So mm-hmm. I was like, eh. Cool. Did you watch Cocaine Bear then? So, you have a movie for me? Yes, sir, I do. I was thinking we make a Cocaine Bear movie. Oh, I know that place. What? Yeah, I got an uncle that works at that bar. That's not... No, this is about an actual bear in the woods that does cocaine and attacks people. Oh. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, what would be the most terrifying combination of drug and mammal, you know? That is a good question. The answer is Viagra Dolphin, though. I... No. Why? Did people think that was fucked up in some way? Yeah. <laughs> oh, why? I still have not seen that movie. Me either. I still want, I yeah, still I've, I've heard see people it. talk about it. I've heard people talk about it too, but I, I haven't seen it. I, I, well, I, I haven't I, gone I to the movies my... in like four years. Oh, what? Why not? Um, oh, because they don't show anime movies in you know, your locale? That's not true. That's not true. I went to see um, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. That was the last movie I went to go see in theaters. And okay. then before that, it was like a couple years. I don't know. I just like watching movies at home now. I like to hit pause. I like to get mm. snacks that are cheap. I like getting up and walking around. So... Well, I, I went to go see the Oppenheimer movie with my parents because they wanted to see it. Oh, yeah. That was my, my contribution to the to the Barbenheimer dichotomy. Well, okay. And remind me who Oppenheimer is. He was the scientist that invented the nuclear bomb, or at least uh, I mean, that's the simple way of putting it. Okay, In a gotcha. broader sense, he was the, the head of the Manhattan Project that was a long-term... Uh, scientific project involving many, many people and lots of infrastructure and logistics to bring about the atomic bomb. I see. Okay. He was the the face of the atomic bomb, the face of the science behind it. As the Oppenheimer movie um, eloquently pointed out in a in a scene that I I thought was one of the better scenes of this three hour movie, um, Mister. Three hours. Damn. Yeah, well, and and that was that was the uh, the Barbenheimer duality, right? You have like the Barbie movie that's supposed to be stupid and vapid and like all all style and and pizzazz, uh, and then you have the Oppenheimer movie that's three hours and clearly geared towards this artistic merit that's going to win it 
big awards and big critical acclaim, and it's mm. all substance and art artfulness. See, I've heard that the Barbie movie is very feminist. Uh, and, yeah, and it I've has also, density. Yeah, I've also heard that the Barbie movie is like a reasonable critique of capitalism and a cool satire and feminist and blah blah blah. <laughs> um, I'm totally prepared to believe that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I was able to watch. I wanted to watch both of these movies back to back to experience mm. that because I, I don't know. Like, I love going to the movie theater, mm-hmm. um, and I don't often see a double feature. Like the last time I saw a double feature was a triple feature mm. at Benji's drive-through. Uh, oh hell yeah, hell yeah, drive-in rather. Yeah. And what was it? It was like. Usually they show a PG movie, a PG-13 movie, and then an R movie at the end. Oh, wow. Fuck, what was it? I don't know. Well, Usually, like, by the second movie, you're like, why do I want to stay? <laughs> 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 I want to go home and sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was what... So Eric and I went and we watched... Maybe not. Maybe we saw Knives Out, and then the the second movie was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. And by the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, we were we were quite nodding off a little bit, phasing in and out. Mm. But Benji's is yeah. lit. That place is awesome. What is it? It's a drive-through. It's a drive-in theater. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the only ones on the East Coast, or yep. it's like the largest one on the East oh, Coast. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. It's a real treasure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I cool. I mean, it, it's, it's an experience. I, and nothing, you know, I've, I was able to watch Oppenheimer and IMAX, and I feel like that's, there, some of these movies are just made to be seen on a large screen. You could watch Oppenheimer on your TV at home. Enjoy it. But I, I feel like the distraction, I have a lot of distractions at home, like, yeah. you know, my phone and like, I want to get up and like go to the bathroom and I'll make five snacks <laughs> and then I'll forget what I'm watching. <laughs> then I'm gonna rewind, the, rewind the movie. This sounds like my movie up. experience. <laughs> 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 okay. So Oppen- Oppenheimer yeah. benefits from the silver screen treatment then. I think so. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm totally down for that. Well, what I, one of the scenes that I liked so much in Oppenheimer and, and what kind of prompted my sense that we should compare and contrast to anime was the scene where, you know, our, our main character, Mr. Oppenheimer guy, he goes and talks to the president and he's very, uh, um, yeah, it doesn't exactly have remorse, but he has like some some sense of uh second guessing himself and, and his legacy and how the people view him for having developed this bomb and being like, Well, you know, the the bomb is a really terrible thing and, and we should really be quite cautious and, and thoughtful about how we use it and, and was it really right for me to you know, lead this, you know, develop the science and see this through. And the president turns to him and is like, guy, nobody gives a fuck that you built the bomb. They give a fuck that I dropped it. You know, 
Like nobody cares right. about the people that made the fucking thing. They care about the people that used it. You know, you you are not important, and no one gives a fuck about you. Like they like if people are mad, if the Japanese people are mad, if the world is mad, they're mad at me because I gave the order. Uh, and I mm-hmm. thought that was a really good scene and a really thought provoking scene hmm. that made me think about how the bomb is registered in Japan in comparison to how it's portrayed in the West as we see it in Oppenheimer. Because in Oppenheimer, we see this as a moment of scientific victory of, of something where lots of people spent a lot of time and energy and resources working really hard on this. And they really pushed themselves to the limits of their capabilities to make the math, make the engineering, make the, the physics and the theory and the application and bring everything together uh, th- through thick and thin to make this happen. But the, I think the movie does a good job of not exactly portraying this in a positive light, but it's certainly not in a negative light in any meaningful way. Hmm. And yeah, how, how does that compare to the victims of the bomb? You know, are are they looking at this from a, a similar like, wow, that was really, you know, the the science, the human progress, the the human achievement. What a uh, what a great step forward for mankind. Or do they look at this like, dear God, we fucking hate, you know, these American scoundrels that uh, have unleashed this this uh, terrible thing onto the world. And that's that's a, a one of the key lines of Oppenheimer's the idea that the atomic bomb has destroyed the world. And at first they mean this in a very literal sense that there is some reason to believe, you know, the theory gave them a reason to believe that if they set off the atomic bomb, it would literally just destroy the atmosphere of the earth and just be like a never ending chain of explosion that would destroy all life. So they were kind of like, well, there's a 1% chance that we're going to like, yeah, there's a like point. Yeah. There's a 0.1% chance that we're going to end all life by oh doing this God. test right now, Damn. but we're going to just go ahead and do it. Cause that chance is really small. Yeah. Uh, but then by the end of the movie, they take this in a much more metaphorical way that like, yes, we really did destroy life on earth by bringing about this science and uh, giving it, you know, putting it in the hands of people in power that, will use this um, as they see fit, which is not always going to be uh, kind of its best uses or its most humane uses. Mm. Um, totally. Yeah. I think I definitely, I'm, I'm listening to you des- describe all this and I'm remembering a term atomic era that I think yeah. we may still be in as far as like the time of, I don't know. Instead of the yeah. Iron Age or in the Atomic Era, but Atomic I think, Nuclear. Yeah, whatever. I think it also like overlaps with how reliant on cyber warfare we've become now too. So mm-hmm. there's that too, because mm-hmm. everybody's got nukes now, and now nobody can use them, and blah blah blah. I think it's game theory. Does anybody know anything about game theory? I don't. I saw a Beautiful Mind. Oh yeah. <laughs> That was a movie about the guy that developed game theory. I think I, I think I've seen that oh. movie too. I think I've seen that movie. Is it the one with Jim Carrey? No. 
Beautiful mind. I think that one's eternal sunshine of you the might, spotless oh, yes. mind. Yeah. I think that's what <laughs> yeah, you're thinking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie, too. Well, I think by now everybody has caught on to how Japanese Twitter was not happy at all of the Barbenheimer mm-hmm. memes. Mm-hmm. That was not cool. Well, tell us, tell us more about that because I, I ain't on, on X. You're not on X. It's now called. I know. You know, so. I, I, after all this Twitter drama, it, uh, I, I, I'm not using Twitter anymore, just mostly because the people I follow haven't really been using it either. But I do wonder about other countries like Japan Twitter. Like, do they have anything else? Are they using anything else? I, are, oh, I'm sure they are. Have they gone to WeChat? What's going on here? So it's, 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 and it's a neat little like pot window into what the the majority or mass japanese um like thought might be or topics that are in that space Mm. and i definitely remember seeing memes that were promoting barbenheimer so it's a mix of the barbie and oppenheimer imagery and there's like I don't know. There's the there's the bomb in the background, and it's the mushroom cloud, and nobody fucking likes that. And I think I saw at one point like, how would you like it if we made a if we made a joke about nine eleven and you know fucking Americans? We were like, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I know we're over here like <laughs> knock knock. Who is it? Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Who? You said you'd never forget. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> we're gonna get well, so see, much hate I, for this. I did <laughs> I, I did i did think about that in so far as the, the you know what are the comparable world events to the atomic bomb droppings and i there's probably i guess people that aren't americans probably have a better sense of this than i do uh, because America has been relatively fortunate to be geographically separated from uh, from a lot of the world, and and we've had a very peaceful, in in a relative sense, a very peaceful existence as a country in comparison to a lot of the world. Um, and I, I want to skip the politics of why that is, and and just focus on the reality of it. Uh, you know, what are the great examples of of one country? You know, just obliterating another country through in a, through acts of aggression. I mean, maybe one could say now the the. I understand the the kind of military strategy and the political strategy of of why uh, the U.S. government felt compelled to drop the atomic bombs on Japan at that time. Um. I don't necessarily want to get into a discussion of arguing for or against that. I just want to talk about the the cultural aftermath of mm, this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what what are, what are the, the comparable events? In my mind, nine eleven is the big modern comparable event mm. uh, because it is something that is also like an escalation of how we conceive armed conflict between countries. And yeah, it's shocking and unexpected and is something that didn't have historical precedent. I don't think. And I, I, yeah, 
I don't think, I mean, clearly 9-11 was not on the same scale as the atomic bomb droppings in terms of the objective reality of people suffering and, and uh, did mass casualty and destruction. But I, I think it is of a comparable scale in terms of cultural impact hmm. and um, the way it shapes the country's psyche going forward. Oh, psyche. And, that was the word I was looking for yeah, earlier. And I, I can't do, can we think of any other examples of when this has happened? Is there something that I'm just forgetting about? Well, I think you're forgetting about the Black Plague <laughs> and the renaissance that happened afterwards. That's all I can think of, though. Uh, that's not exactly well, we- that's not exactly weaponized or yeah part of military. i would argue that yeah i would argue that's a little bit of a different thing by virtue of miss not really um, what the about, black flag was not a bioweapon what about know? peasant revolts in china i'm trying to remember some oh, well things. that could be that could be I would I would accept that. I just don't know enough about it to to have an opinion. But I, don't, I, don't I, I can believe it, it. Yeah, I guess the genocide of native people in the United States. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, I think we're like fifteen minutes in and this has already taken a pretty dark <laughs> Holocaust. turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's inevitable. I mean, like watching these two movies, Barefoot Gun one and two, it's like it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah, I was I was really fascinated. So I so the reason Barefoot again came up um like I watching Oppenheimer, I knew this was a topic I wanted to discuss a little bit more. And I was thinking about what anime to talk about with it. And of course there's two um kind of there's there's two legendary anime that talk specifically about post you know, like World War II Japan and the immediate aftermath. And that would be Barefoot Gen and um, Grave of the Fireflies. Now, we've all seen Grave of the Fireflies, and the, everybody knows that this is a day ruiner. You know, it's, it's like the uh, Great Blacks and Wax Museum in Baltimore. It, it's powerful. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. and It is a it is an important piece of culture and, and testament to, to reality, to history, that to the the suffering of people that should never be forgotten so that it can never be repeated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it just kind of sucks all the air out of the room. I mean, it's, it's really depressing. It, it ruins your day. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the day is just like, oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, what do I do after this? Yeah, but also we've all seen Grave of the Fireflies. I had never seen Barefoot Gen before. I'd only had some... <laughs> familiarity with it and it was a very different movie than i was expecting it to be mm-hmm. it actually came up yeah. in conversation in in casual conversation last night i was talking with 
Matt and Lou and Phoenix and um, Matt was asking me, oh, you know, what what anime you're watching? What are you talking about on the podcast? And I was like, oh, we're we're going to talk about Oppenheimer and, and the bombs dropping on Japan and, you know, how, how anime approaches this subject and compare and contrast to how we see it in the West. And um, they were, Matt was talking about, oh, yeah, the Grave of the Fireflies. I know what you're talking about. And Phoenix mm. was like, yeah, is that, is that the one where the, the boy just disintegrates and his dog just, just disintegrates? And Matt and I are like, no, no, that's not Grave of the Fireflies. Now I see that he was talking about mm. Barefoot again. Oh my God. Spoiler those, alert. Those scenes are, well, yeah, I mean, those are Holy iconic fuck. scenes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen, seen them those. before. I've seen those particular death scenes before in Anime's Craziest Deaths panel at Otakon. Oh. Wow. Well, I guess that's, if you're going to start somewhere, you got to start, <laughs> start with Barefoot again. Yeah. Um, so when did Barefoot yeah, again come really out? Dip- First movie, 1983. Second movie, 1986. Oh, okay. In the comic, the manga was in 1976. Okay, okay. Yeah, K- Keiji Nakazawa is is the writer and illustrator, and it's all it's basically his biography in a way. It's not a literal, you know, uh, moment for moment uh, biography, but it's based off of his life and experiencing mm-hmm. the bomb. And well, in that way, I was really surprised that Barefoot Gen. It's not exactly a lighthearted movie, but it has a fairly balanced sense of the ups and downs of everyday life. It's just, you know, if your everyday life happened to be in this brutal hellscape of uh, material deprivation and ruin and suffering, you know, it's differently Grave of the Fireflies, which is like just, just happiness is a fleeting emotion. You know, Barefoot Gen in general is like, it's like kind of a upbeat movie. It's, an, it's two relatively upbeat movies that just have these these intense moments of of uh, really disturbing depressiveness. Yeah, I can almost see the first movie being a educational video. Like I, like I would be, I'd see this in in uh, in grade school. Or, you know, they would show this to kids in grade school. Um, and I. Uh, Wait, are you serious? It, Did you watch this in grade school? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I wish I wish this would. This is a great teaching uh, tool, you know, as a movie. Like, there's not really any other American films that I can think of, um, especially animated, that would depict this. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I agree with you, Jeff. This movie is surprisingly approachable in a way that you could totally play this to a young person, to a kid and have a conversation, like open the door to a conversation about like, this is what war means. Mm. You know, war isn't actually cool. You know? Okay. Okay. Let's rewind here and maybe give me a synopsis of the first movie. <laughs> what, what happens? What is it? Uh, do you want to tackle this one, Jeff, and I tackle the second one, or do you want me to do this one sure. to do the second one? I can start with the first. Go ahead. Altitude, nearing 3,600 feet. 
We've got a fix on the target, sir. Standing by to release payload. Roger. Release the bomb. Releasing bomb. So this is... Barefoot Gen is essentially, in a nutshell, it's it's the depiction of a family, a generalized family in uh, Hiroshima mm. when the first bomb is dropped. Right? It's like they're, it's the building of their characters, their lives. Um, before the bombs dropped, like, you know, they have to ration their food and, you know, there's this sort of theme of... Um, anti-government sentiment or at least anti-war sentiment Mm -hmm. um with with the father of gen um so it's it's gen his brother um his mother who's about to have a baby um and yeah the bomb goes off and he happens to be out and about i think he is on an errand maybe if i'm not mistaken um and when the bomb goes off, uh, he runs back uh, to find his family. And three of the family members, the dad, his younger brother, and actually, I'm sorry, I missed, I missed, I missed a character. There's a, there's a daughter mm. as well. So there's um, three children, and then there's a fourth com- coming on the okay, way. Okay. Um, and they're trapped underneath the house. And the house is burning. And he's trying to save... You know, his dad, his brother and sister with his mom, mm-hmm. he was pregnant. They're trying to, you know, essentially unbury their family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the aftermath of that. But that's basically it, it in a nutshell. But there's a bunch of stuff that happens before that, you know, like there's a scene where um, the mother, she's she's malnutrit- malnu- malnourished, um, malnourished, and they're like, the two boys are like, okay, we're going to go out and find some fish. They heard that fish is good for, for pregnant mothers, mm-hmm. pregnant moms. And so they steal, they, they go in the backyard of a, a wealthy uh, family and they jump into their pond and try to steal a carp. Mm. Um, and of course they're busted. Um, but they plead with the man, like, please, we need this, we need this food to, to save our mom, you know? And eventually they you know the guy is like all right fine take the take the fish yeah because he finds he finds it noble he finds that what they're doing is of character you know it's good character Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's like these little moments of slice of life like it humanizes the families and the japanese um in japan you know Mm um and yeah you get to see like how the bomb obliterates people and destroys people's bodies and their skin's falling off and their eyeballs are popping out, you know, hit by the flash. So it's like fucking graphic. Um, It's really graphic. It's very very graphic. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's twisted. It's really, uh, I think that was one of the most shocking and twisted scenes that I've ever seen in anime really. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, that it was like, I can think of anime that is more gory or more graphic, but this, uh, it's got that made in abyss style, like compare and contrast, you know, mm-hmm. like the, uh, 
the graphic parts hit so much harder because it's otherwise not that way, you know, like part of the reason why, um, you know, chopping off the main girl's arm and, um, made an abyss hit so hard is because otherwise it's a pretty cute, you know, all the art style and character designs are all kind of moe and cutesy in a way. It's, yeah. it's shocking. It is very shocking. These things are juxtaposed. And in Barefoot Gen also, it's like, we've got this relatively upbeat, um, happy-go-lucky slice of life kind of going on. And then all of a sudden the flash happens and everything turns black and white and everyone just starts disintegrating and buildings just start disintegrating. And it's, it's, it's striking. I I thought that was incredibly powerful. Wow. Mm -hmm. And to, to parallel this with Oppenheimer, um, you know, uh, Oppenheimer is giving a speech and uh, just giving a speech to the people at um, the Manhattan Project, all the scientists, um, sort of a celebratory speech. But he's envisioning people's faces melting off, specifically a woman's face, mm-hmm. like their skin is, is falling off. And this is the scene that stuck out to me a lot in the movie Oppenheimer, because it's like the only depiction of this. Um, and it's a small depiction, but it's, I think it's like effective in mm-hmm. a way. Like if you know what happened and you know, the, the atrocity of the bomb, but if you don't know, then it could be kind of remiss. Like it's sort of like, or like taken lightly mm. or kind of silly. Cause it's, oh, it's mostly practical effects, by the way. Um, everything in Oppenheimer, I think is practical. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, so it's kind of. For this yeah. day and age, practical effects. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of comical. It can be kind of perceived as comical mm. when this woman's face is kind of peeling off. But like, if they had chose this is then this is the the big argument, right? This is why the Japanese are upset. Like, why would you have this biograph- biographical picture and not show the devastation that it causes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not. You know, is it effective? Is it not effective? Some people, I guess, are on the side of it being effective. Like, you don't need to show the gratuity of it for it to be effective. Yeah, well, I, I suppose I would say in this argument, or I will say, I say, that the movie, I mean, Oppenheimer is specifically a biography about this guy, and this guy lived in the USA and was not subject to the effects of the bomb in any way. So I find the, the effects of the bomb itself to be kind of tangential to the story that Oppenheimer was trying to tell. So I, I don't think Oppenheimer needed to show any of this stuff, nor do I think they had some kind of like moral obligation to do so, just because I, I don't really believe in that kind of obligation. Um, mm. But yeah, I... I I wouldn't exactly like effective is not, I, I, I understand what you say, Jeff. I, I suppose effective is not the word I would use for that scene, but mm. I did think that it was meaningful and interesting and in adding to the narrative. I guess when I think of effective, I think of like, Oh, it really shows that the atomic bomb was such a bad thing. Like yeah, that what my sense of this was more the, the, 
the cognitive dissonance between our guy, Mr. Oppenheimer, um, giving this speech and having all these other, all of his peers, all of his comrades, all of his fellow scientists uh, cheering and, and going, ah, yeah, yeah, USA, USA, you know, fuck, fuck the Japanese, USA, we're, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're going to win the war, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And feeling that, that, uh, that dissonance, that distance um, of, yeah, but at, at what cost, you know, like w- they don't know at, at that point, they don't know what the effects of the bomb are going to be on, on the human experience, right. On a human mm-hmm. life. Yeah. I mean, you can a- yeah. assume that like, Oh, it's a giant bomb. People going to fucking explode, you know, get caught in an explosion. Yeah. There's, there's some intuitive understanding of that, but there's, there's elements shown in barefoot again, uh, like the, uh, what was it? The, the like black rain or the black water. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember what I'm talking about, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. There's this, yeah. They're essentially all the particles and debris that went up into the atmosphere is falling down and to acid rain, essentially. And oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, they, they, they have to drink. They're thirsty, you know, they're, they're dehydrated. So they start drinking that water oh, man. and start dying instantly. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. And that's, those are the kinds of things that are harder to suss out in advance. You know, I mean, maybe you could figure that out based on the science, but mm-hmm. it's not, not exactly obvious. Um, and in that way, I don't think they needed to show the the effects of the bomb in order to tell the story of Oppenheimer because he was removed mm-hmm. from the effects. He was making assumptions in his mind. He realized that oh, this is going to be a bad thing. Like uh, I, I don't necessarily agree that we should be using this. That uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I see all these people cheering, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I recognize that the bomb is capable of doing so much damage and negativity in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And bear, I think barefoot again, yeah, is, is extremely effective in, in showing this. Uh, I think it's quite disturbing really. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's a hard, hard watch in my opinion. I mean, the way, the way, everything just turned black and white when the bomb actually mm-hmm. dropped in, in barefoot again. It was like, that was hyper effective. It was chilling. Did it go black yeah, and white and the way that Luffy punches that guy who's, who's buying the mermaid at the slave auction? Are you bringing that up just because I was talking about that in Anime Brothers Discord? No, no. I, I know I haven't been uh, in Anime Brothers Discord, but I, th- I thought that when it turns black and white in that scene, it, it's very effective. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is, I was, similar? Uh, Is it a similar I, yeah, thing? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, in some sense, yeah, it's similar because it's uh, emotional, but I would say it's not similar insofar as that's a real... Uh, like high point of emotional intensity in kind of a positive way. And this is in barefoot again, it's a high point of emotional intensity in a negative way. Mm. So does it stay black and white for the rest of the film no, or just no, in that? It's okay. just, just, just in, in that in flash. The, uh, just in the flash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Man. And I mean, I, I, 
I mean, that's real, right? Like when that shit goes off, it blinds you, you know, I mean, think of the, the people whose outlines are, uh, forever, uh, scarred onto the sides of buildings from the intensity of the light and the bomb of the bomb blast. That's, mm-hmm. uh, it's fucked up. It is fucked up. Damn. Yeah. Imagine 4,000 degree temperatures. No, like, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I don't even know what like yeah. 300 degree temperatures feel like. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the sun. Yeah. Essentially, right? Yeah. So, so the- think about walking outside for the first time in a dark room and it's bright out. And it's like your eyes have to adjust. You know, mm-hmm. I can only imagine like 10 times that. Yeah. The blindingness. So I guess you're trying to contrast um, how American media looks at specifically the bomb and which looks like looks like we're only looking at it from a biographical view of the person who created it uh, versus all of the Japanese media that takes the (laughs) aftermath or the during the stuff, the atrocities and horror because they, you know, they're, they're not part of the pre that's not, that's like, that's not happening. Meanwhile, I think they are being bombed a whole shitload by Russia. I'm pretty sure that happened. Well, I, I think American media in general, uh, for, for relatively obvious reasons, just doesn't really doesn't focus that much on the atomic bomb droppings. Like it, it approaches the atomic bomb dropping as historical fact mm-hmm. rather than this like emotional moment that, that pivots the mass consciousness of a country, which is how Japan has typically framed this. I mean, after that, uh, I mean, you got a whole country that's really like no nukes, you know. Yeah. Um, people mm-hmm. protesting nuclear power, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that's like. I, I guess that just comes with the territory because America was the one that that dropped it, and and Japan was the one that received it. What one thing that I did find really interesting about barefoot again and i they don't i'm I'm thinking of the scene where the dad uh talks about how he doesn't believe in in the war that he wishes the war was over and that the japanese uh government the people in charge are all madmen and why are they doing this and the common person suffers while politicians play their games and and uh, if more people were brave enough to speak out, then maybe we wouldn't be stuck in a war. And I thought that was particularly interesting, not only because, like, I feel like that's an angle of Japanese involvement in World War II that is not often portrayed, or, like, I don't know if I can think of another world war two movie that shows Japanese people being like, no, no, stop the war. You know, we don't want the war. Uh, I, I kind of feel like, is that really how people felt at that time? Cause that, that is not clear from mm. American media. And I, it's not like I spend a lot of time watching Japanese world war two movies, but, um, I never got that sense from anything else that I've ever seen out of Japan. 
and I also thought that was interesting because that is de- like Americans really don't have that feeling about World War Two. You know, there there ain't no American media where people are like, no, America should not have been involved in World War Two. No, stop the war, pull back, you know, mm-hmm. stay away from it. Like that is nobody. Nobody in America looks at World War II as some zeitgeist of anti-warness. Like we look to Vietnam for that, mm-hmm. and we look to current mm-hmm. warfare in the Middle East for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one approaches World War II like that. And I that made me think about man, my as I watched that scene, my assumption became not that this was a reflection of how people felt at that time or like not that this was a historical accuracy but that this was politicking inserted into the movie you know that like this movie is intended to be an anti-war movie it is intended to you know the people making this movie are against war and this is their moment to really put that in plain terms to the audience that like what you're supposed to be getting out of this is that war is bad and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah, I don't, Mm. I think it's a good scene, but uh, I just thought it was, it was interesting. It really stood out to me in in the context. Um, Is that, man, I'm, I'm really not educated in this next statement I'm about to say, but is that kind of similar to how Godzilla is? Godzilla also a World War II movie and also have anti-war sentiments. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Where's Steven? Doesn't Steven know stuff about Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, don't you know anything about I mean, Godzilla? <laughs> I mean, that's sort of how I've always interpreted Godzilla. I mean, it's sort of the after, yeah, it's the aftermath of the bomb. Godzilla is the um it is the the manufactured um result you know of of the atomic energy used and then it attacks you know it basically godzilla attacks japan ironically so it's i think it's a stand-in godzilla is a stand-in for the bomb um and it's just funny because uh there's a new movie coming out called godzilla minus one um uh yeah and it's like it's um what should i think of the synopsis so uh, I'll just read it. After the war, Japan has been reduced to zero. Godzilla appears and plunges the country into a negative state against the most desperate situation in the history of Japan. How and with whom will Japan stand up to it? And it's like, so I think it's sort of a callback to the original. Mm. Most of the Godzilla movies are like, you know, what's the next big monster that's going to come out right. of uh, the nuclear disaster? And in you know, Godzilla is sort of a national symbol to uh, protect Japan after the original movie. Um, so thematically, I feel like they're going back to World War II and they're going to show the more depictions of the bomb being dropped and maybe how Godzilla is born and like how he's man- like manifested. Oh, um, interesting. Interesting. I had heard that there was going to be a new Godzilla movie, but I hadn't heard what it was about yet. Hmm. Yeah, the trailer dropped last week, and it is now September for <laughs> for the future listeners. It's September 10th. Um, it dropped, uh, yeah, last week. 
Um, but it looks, it looks good. Like I, I'm excited for it. It comes out December 1st. I will oh. be there. We should all go see it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, should we talk about Godzilla minus one compared to, uh, I don't know, SSSS Gridman or <laughs> Kaiju number eight or whatever else has big monsters in the anime? Yeah. I think there's, I mean, a, there's even that uh, Singularity, Godzilla Singularity, I think it's called. Yeah. It's anime on Netflix. That's right. Hmm. There's so much Godzilla movies. There's so many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all on Pluto.tv if you want to watch them all. A <laughs> <laughs> oh, word, really? Yes, really. <laughs> That's cool. Um, Pluto's sick. Yeah, yeah. One of my, one I normally of my put it on the Degrassi them. channel and just let it ride. It's oh, my nice. background when I'm doing work for my day job. <laughs> yeah, I've... I used to watch, I used to come home from, uh, on Sundays when I come home from church, I would, uh, watch a Godzilla movie on cable. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Fall asleep. Fall asleep. Yeah. My, my aunt, well, my aunt introduced me into a lot of God, like the Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she did also have cable growing up. And when I went to visit her for the summer, we would just like do nothing. <laughs> just watch Godzilla that movies. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, it was great. She's like, you need to leave. You need to get out of the house and like go play. You're a child. Go play <laughs> outside. Talk to people. Like, I don't want to. Just watch Godzilla. But yeah. Uh-huh. So but anyway. Speaking of movies, there was a second Barefoot Gen movie too. Oh, actually, there's something else I want to say about the first one. The other uh, hyper-chilling scene is when Gen and his surrogate little brother come home and the baby's dead and the mom is is that that's a particular frame when the mom is staring at them and it's not a black and white frame but it's like she's like just wide-eyed staring at them and it's just the still shot and it's a little bit more like less colorful because it's dark out Mm -hmm. and it's just like her big white eyes totally wide open just staring at the viewer for like a couple of seconds until tears start coming down it was like that was that was a heavy one too oh wow yeah i think that was yeah that was the most emotional part for me watching it like i cried at least three times in this movie and I, like that one that one got me because um, because yeah the the surrogate brother and gan are out basically trying to get the milk for the baby like they need to yeah. they need to get a, get money and buy the milk for for uh for the newborn and they spend all this time doing that and it's all for nil, all for nil you know mm-hmm. yeah i think i'm so excited I've the audience for this film is japanese right it's, it's yeah okay it's not intended yeah. to be an overseas audience. No, no, this is, uh, this is way before anybody in Japan was thinking about how Westerners feel about anime. Yeah, that's a good point. It wouldn't, it's not something you would see in a theater in America. No, but I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. People should. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. I, I didn't cry at this movie. Maybe because I was watching it at like, you know, 
three in the morning. But <laughs> if I were going to cry, it would have been the scene when the rest of the family is trapped under the fire, like the where they're trapped under the the house, and the house like they're burning alive, and the son, the younger son, is like, "Mom, it's hot. Mom, it's so hot." Oh my god! It's, like, it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. All they can do is just stand there. They can't save them. And the father is telling them to get away. Yeah. And I mean, even the voice acting, it's not like the greatest voice acting, but it's it's still like it sounds like children. Like they got voice actors mm-hmm. that were of that age, and like they hear them like yelling and screaming. It's kind of ugh, yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy. And so there's a sequel to this? There's a sequel. <laughs> You're like, there's more? Why would, it, yeah. why would anybody want to watch more? <laughs> so the sequel, uh, is, it takes place a couple years after the first movie, like two or three years afterwards. And Hiroshima has uh, not exactly rebuilt, but they got some, you know, like some shoddy... Um, sort of shantytown style structures and a little bit of a marketplace going on and a little bit of an economy and uh, there's a little bit more of life having returned to normal amidst all the destruction and death and our family is trying to go through the motions of daily life Um, the mom goes and works at a factory while the two kids go to school and over their their daily life, the two kids run into a gang, a kind of street gang of orphans. And while they themselves are not orphans, they still have their mom, they feel a lot of affinity for the orphans. They really get on with them. They kind of start cutting class and just hanging out with the orphans, and they run around and try to make money to buy supplies, um, Slowly, they come to understand that their mom is quite sick. She has radiation poisoning. They take her to the doctor. Doctor says, everybody's dying of radiation poisoning. Like, your mom's a goner. Sorry, there's nothing anybody can do about this. I mean, like, half the fucking population here are goners, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the boys don't totally accept this. They continue to work hard to try to make money, to buy food, buy medicine, do anything they can to um, relieve their mom of stress, of needing to, to exert herself. And they um, work pretty hard. They get it in mind that if they buy penicillin, they can buy penicillin on the black market for a very exorbitant price via hookup from one of the, uh, the orphans, the boss orphan. And they get it in mind that maybe penicillin can help the mom. Uh, of course we know that this is not true, but I did. It, it made me think about, yeah, just, just access to information and, and, the way people process. Cause you know, if you're 
a kid at that time, you're just like, oh, there's this new super medicine, penicillin. My mom's really sick. I should give her penicillin. Of course, yeah. now we can just look up on the internet that yeah, penicillin doesn't really help with radiation poisoning. That's a mismatch. But um, yeah, at that time, you you just roll with the information you got. All you know is that it's a super medicine and your mom is super sick. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so they continued to struggle to make money, uh, but in the end, they don't make very much money, and their mom dies, and they go and live with the orphan gang. Yeah, but it's the origin story of Joe Yabuki uh, from Ashitana Joe. Nah. Nah. Well, maybe this is a a good time. I can believe it, to be honest. Don't you think like, like the age and the time isn't necessarily so far off? No, but I, 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 I'm joking, but like, this is, I mean, you know, Joe is out of the post-war anime. um, Yeah. You know, society. And I feel like that's sort of reflected in, in Ashitana Joe. Yeah as an orphan orphan boy who's just you know trying to make ends meet and traveling around his little shanty town um yeah yeah i don't know so but this is like a lot a lot more realistic depiction Mm. in terms of the anime like the the art style and the animation style compared to the first movie which is a lot more cartoonish yeah i also thought the second barefoot gen movie was less emotionally uh it was it was yeah harder on the kind of slice of life relatively upbeat uh had less of the like even the mom dying i thought was markedly less emotional than the heavy hitting moments of the first movie um I enjoyed the second movie, but I, I think the first movie is really like you need to watch the first movie. Second movie, if you're in the mood, you know, if you depending on how much you love the first movie, it's worth watching the second, but hardly essential. Hmm. I don't want to knock it though, because I, I did like it. I thought it was rock solid, and I, I like the uh, the orphan gang. I, I uh, the scene where again is licking the burned girl. I, I didn't totally understand why he's licking her, but it's it's like kind of kinky. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm the the um, no one, no one, no one's gonna marry me. The little girl is like, you know, she's terrified that people perceive her as ugly and you know she has a scar on her face and and yeah again by again licking her it's like you're fine you're like you're gonna be okay you know yeah like a uh, like a animal licking it's another animal's wounds you know yeah i like, uh I, mean, I yeah i understood that was the idea or and i is it supposed to be like licking the burns is supposed to soothe the burning in some way but I also felt like, uh, what are you doing, man? You know, like I'm, <laughs> the next time one of my friends is in emotional duress, I'm not going to just start licking them. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's worth a try. Yeah. 
Why don't we why don't we take a quick break here and we'll come back and keep talking about this. Uh, All right, and we're back. We're digging more into Barefoot Gen 2. Especially liked the homeless kids beating up the cops after the cops started beating them with their nightsticks uh, to take them to detention camps. It's like, what, what is the government doing? Like, what is, you know, does Japan, is Japan so just like uh, economically destroyed, militarily destroyed? Like what, there's no FEMA in place, you know, like what? I, you know what I mean? I just, and this is three years after the first movie mm-hmm. and it just feels like the devastation is still omnipresent. It's not, you know, does it take 10 years? How long does it take for the U S to help restore Japan? Um, I mean, there's even a scene where the teacher is, um, uh, you know, they're in this building, which is a makeshift school or it used to be a school and it's now bombed out. And, uh, the teacher is describing the new um, political or uh, what do you call it? Um, the new constitution. Constitution, exactly. And how the military, you know, they're not allowed to have weapons and fight a war and, and going forward, um, which is why we have the Japanese air defense force. Right. But they, they're only deployed in situations where they needed to defend the country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's another reason why we don't have, they don't have the cops don't have weapons, right? They don't have guns. It's hard to get a gun in Japan. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But like, apparently the manga, which is just based off of, um, it goes all the way to the point of where Gen is an adult. Oh, oh interesting. And he's a successful artist, uh, which is kind of like the actual author who, you know, obviously made the uh, the manga but uh it goes into a lot more detail it's like very descriptive um and it's you know, like yeah more more uh, slice of life hmm. everyday ins and outs and i think this movie did a good job of of showing that you know i could almost see there being multiple entries or like a tv show mm-hmm. uh hopefully on, more on the lighter side but yeah like so does the second film follow him to adulthood or like no oh okay okay no, it, it stops. I mean, he's still the same age from the beginning to the end of the movie. The The movie ends with the mom dying and then again and the rest of the kids run into the distance to a happy song. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said they're going to go join the orphan crew. Yeah, there's there's a lot of discussion about wheat. Wheat is a big metaphor um, in Barefoot Gen about the perseverance of wheat as a plant that, uh, you know, Hmm. as Chumbawamba says, it gets knocked down, but it gets back up again. You can't ever keep it down. But uh, it just keeps growing and growing. And in this way, again, we'll continue to grow and grow and overcome adversity to be a a tasty ingredient to bread. Hmm. Hmm, that's interesting because I I feel like wheat is not a common crop during this era. That was what I thought too. So I thought it was fucking weird, but okay. I'm Did we look it up? It. Did we fact check? Slash, how much do I fucking know about Japan? Yeah, well, like, yeah, I don't know. What the fuck do I know? You know? <laughs> Maybe they grow a lot of wheat for all I know. <laughs> Maybe they just didn't cultivate it the same way that 
uh, we do in other parts of the world for like bread and things. Yeah. You know? During that time, I don't know. But 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 bread was introduced probably a lot earlier than the forties, right? I mean, I have, yeah, I yeah, know. I have no idea. I mean, it's not like like well, you would think from the way Japanese and just just Asian people in general talk about rice versus bread, like it would you would think that these motherfuckers have never seen a piece of bread in their entire life. Because the the dichotomy in which Asians have have portrayed this to me, I mean, they're like just straight up like, "Do you eat rice?" I thought Americans just ate bread, and it's like <laughs> you can get both, man. Like I eat whatever I like, I, you know. I eat anything, uh, you know. If it's in front of me, I fucking eat it. Like I eat rice like all the time. I eat bread all the time, you know. Um. And the the way that they frame the way that people in my life have have like asked me this question because this has come up this is not just like one random individual in my life this is like several dozen dozen plus individuals that I've met in my life people that are among my closer friends are like still asking me you know like uh, do you eat rice like yeah <laughs> no i've never so, seen rice in my life <laughs> yeah you know and and this is this goes beyond the uh the my usual opinion or or stance about the the food scene in the u.s compared to the rest of the world and, and our access to worldly cuisines compared to anywhere else uh this is just just really fundamental like man you you can have both rice and bread in your life it's not one or the other the fact that people ask me and frame this to me as if it's one or the other makes me have serious question about their own diet and their own sense of like what what it is people eat you know um yeah. and we see that a little bit in barefoot again and so far as you know people really clamoring for rice uh, there's food shortages and, and people are just dying to have a good old bowl of rice available to them. Um, yeah. So yeah. if there's wheat available, then they don't seem particularly like, it's not like they're swapping out rice for bread. You know, they ain't got, don't seem to have wheat available either, either that or they're not interested. Hmm. I'm, I found this, I found this article that sort of the, talks about, yeah, the popularity of rice. Um, so it's more featured more prominently in civilian diet uh, during the war, um, when World War II, but out of necessity, not desire. So wartime meant extreme rice shortages and meager rations at home, and much of what was rice was of what rice was available went to troops. Mm. In addition, fueling up new substitutes like soybeans, squash, sweet potatoes, uh, which they steal. They, sw- they steal some squeak potatoes in the movie. In the second movie. Uh, yeah. And then that kid, the second movie, that kid yeah. gets killed. He gets murked by a bunch of adults. Yeah. That's fucked up. How, yeah. How did you feel about that? Um, like, you know, you think of Japan as a collective society. And uh, I, I feel like the men. Well, I don't know. Like they obviously have to make money, right? Mm-hmm. The farmers, but it seems extreme to like kill the children who obviously need to eat as well. Yeah, it seems extreme. Um, 
and it's sort of it's sort of just like the first movie where they're trying to get that cart out of the yeah out of the pile. I, I thought about that when I was watching the first movie, and and that guy like that guy hasn't eaten the carp yet. I mean, I guess he's not feeling any kind of food shortage. Yeah, are you? Su- is there any sort of cultural significance with carp? Are you supposed to eat them? Is it bad luck if you eat them? Oh, I don't know. Mm. I mean, that would- do we eat carp in, here in the U.S.? I don't yeah. eat seafood, so I, I have no idea. N- no, I don't. I don't believe we do. Oh. Uh, hmm. It was. It's. It's. I. I was under the impression that carp has uh, is a symbol of wealth and prosperity, and you're supposed to let the carp live in your pond until it's giant, and you're never ever yeah. supposed to kill it. That's that's what I sure okay. That's my that's what my uh, what I remember about carp, but that might be like mm. more Chinese symbolism and not Japanese symbolism. I just well, wonder, f- since the movie is made for a Japanese audience, if that had any sort of double meaning that we're not catching on to. Oh, that could be. I don't know. The movie The movie tells us that carp blood is good for a pregnant woman. Oh, okay. That's why they're okay. trying to get a carp specifically. Gotcha. Okay. Side note, when I went to that Thai place... Uh, on Friday night, the waiter asked if I wanted, we were discussing dessert because my, my compatriot was still eating his dinner by the time I was done. So I was like, well, take your time. I'll order some dessert, you know, no worries. Um, and so I was, we were talking desserts with the, uh, the waiter and he was like, oh, have you ever tried durian before? And I was like, hell yeah, I've tried durian. Said, oh, did you like it? No. <laughs> Uh, but I, I reported to him that, yeah, Talib and Kimi told me that durian is good for your dick. That's what I told our waiter. I was oh. like, my friends tell me durian's really good for your dick. And then Doug and the waiter started laughing. I was like, I don't know if my friends were just pulling my leg or not, but I finished my durian smoothie for that exact reason. Wow. Um, what's the more polite term for that? For for. Uh, it's good for something? your ding dong. No, it's what's uh, not fertility. What's the other one? Veracity. Virility. 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 Yeah. Virility. Mm. <laughs> like aphrodisiac. Yeah. Ma- makes your cock strong, hard, and juicy and veiny. Oh yeah. Is that the polite way of putting it? <laughs> oh my god. Hmm. So, I, yeah, I don't know if carp blood is actually good for a pregnant woman, but I mean, who really knows? Like, if somebody says something like that to me, I'm apt to be like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, try it out. Sure. Whatever. Can't mm-hmm. hurt. Especially if you're like eight years old. Yeah. Well, old yeah, I suppose that, that goes back to our idea of penicillin here. I mean, the carp blood thing feels more like like folk medicine, as it were. So I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't think about it in the same way. Uh, but, yeah, it is true that, like... If you're a young person, you know, it's like 19, what, what, when is this? The 1940s, 1950s? When was World War II? I'm so bad at I don't know. This. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the war ended in 45. 45. So it's 1940. You're a little kid. Somebody tells you, oh, carp's blood is good for pregnant women. Yeah, you're just apt to believe them. Sure. Why not? 
What do you know? You're a little kid. You ain't got the internet. Mm-hmm. Just roll with it. <laughs> I'm so bad. Like, yeah. I, I feel because my, my parents, when I went to go see Oppenheimer with my parents, my parents are, are like slack jawed looking at me like, you don't know the name Oppenheimer. You didn't know who this guy was. I was like, no, I mean, uh, his, um, history is not my strong suit. You know, when I, when I got my political science degrees, I was reading like theory and current practical application, understanding current events. I was not like applying backwards through history for the most part. Um, but yeah, my parents were like, did you even go to college? How did you not know all the, like, how did you not already know everything in this movie? Like, why are you so stupid? I'm I'm so glad you're touching upon this because I did not want to tell anybody around me that I didn't know who Oppenheimer was because everybody, it seems so obvious to everyone else. I'm like, Oh, okay. I know who this person is. You know, I, I can't like, as I, as I often joke with, with many of my friends around the world, I am, but an ignorant American, like I don't fucking know. You know, I, uh, 90% of my brain power is spent on punk and anime. And I'm I'm trying to get that to be more like fifty percent on a girlfriend, twenty five percent on punk, and twenty five percent on anime. I believe what you uh, said to me little, was your two brain food. cells. Yeah, I got two brain cells, one for punk and one for anime. I'm trying trying to spout a third if I'm lucky. <laughs> you know, like I'm I live in a world of of ignorance. You know, I, I so I yeah I don't know. It is what it is. You can't know everything. That's true. Oh. You can't know everything. Mm-hmm. I, it is just I, so baffling to me that yeah, I, I I live in a state that glorifies World War Two. Uh, we can't stop talking about World War Two. Oklahoma. And, yeah, I know. We have. The fuck have does to, Oklahoma have, have to raids, do with World War Two? Conservatism and like the whole old America is better type of thing. So we, uh, yeah, in, in a broad sense, yeah, but but in a narrow sense, what did Oklahoma contribute to World War Two? Oklahoma um, got shit to do with anything. I feel like we 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 got a boat called the Arkansas. <laughs> I feel like we have a boat. I don't know. That's that's somewhere in my mind. <laughs> Oklahoma had a boat named for another state. Wow. No. <laughs> you like sure, you sure that's not maybe. Arkansas? You sure that's not Arkansas's accomplishment? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I forgot where I was going with this. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, so I'm surprised Oppenheimer was not drilled into man during my history lessons. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of History Channel growing up. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and they had they had like a Manhattan Project um, series or documentary that I watched. But it, but even still, you know, like I, I, if someone had before the movie came out, if somebody had said anything about Oppenheimer. I would have looked at them like they were crazy. <laughs> like, but I, but after watching the movie, it all kind of came back. Like some of the scientists mm-hmm. that were working on it. Um, but it's not like in our vernacular, like it's not in our current discussion um, in our generation. So I, I, yeah, I think, I think we should give ourselves a little bit of, uh, 
credit or yeah. you know i just not, let herself off the hook a little I bit just oscillate <laughs> very quickly between feeling like wow i must be pretty smart because all these people around me are stupid then feeling like wow i must be really fucking stupid because all these people around me are so smart <laughs> i i i have a similar experience <laughs> yeah mm. well but i i think you're right jeff that there's there's a level of you know, world war ii is a lot closer to people of our parents' generation than it is to us, right? So, yeah, I mean, my, uh, my grandpa was a World War II vet, and so this was something that directly impacted my mom. Mm, okay. Um, by, well, I don't know, directly impacted. Maybe it's not fair to say directly impacted. She wasn't in the war, but the war had something to do with her personal life. Um. And yeah, I, we don't, we just don't have the same relationship to it. Um, and I, I, in my mind, the, the current example to that would be nine 11, right. That like people of our age bracket, because Cristela, you're a little bit younger than us, right? You're 30 now. I'll be 30 on the 25th. On the 25th uh-huh. in two weeks. Uh huh. Mm. What are you doing mm. for your birthday? I'm swimming 3,000 yards straight. Wow. That's cool. what I'm going to do. That's my yeah, goal. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm training for it. Oh, shit. Usually my sets are only like 1,500 yards for like 45 minutes or something. So I'm doubling that straight through for uh, my goal is under an hour. That's my goal. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> and then i'm gonna have a waffle for lunch that's my goal Ooh. yeah i'm gonna have a luxurious lunch okay so did you watch that uh yeah. documentary the deepest breath about the uh the, the longest deep dive um no no i haven't but i i do know of like <laughs> some french guy who's a free diver and he made some documentary that looks really cool uh, free diving is sick. I've I have definitely w- wanted to try to be a mermaid and and exist in the mermaid space. But the only mermaids who work in Oklahoma all have their free diving license. <laughs> like, mm. okay, well, uh, yeah. that's not going to happen for me. Yeah, go go watch the deepest breath on Netflix. Okay, I will. I will. I'll write that down. That's your homework. Well, Christella, do you remember where you were on nine eleven? Um, kind of, kind of, I have a memory of being at home, but that doesn't track with all my, all the rest of my friends because it was during, it was a weekday and a lot of my friends were in school, but I have a memory of being at home. Maybe this was like, it happened afterwards. I don't know. Um, and I was I don't, people were crowded around a TV and, you know, I'm seeing the twin towers and like, I don't know what's going on. And then somebody tells me that somebody blew up the towers. I'm like, I don't know who these towers are. That's it. That's about all I got. But we, uh, I mean, Oklahoma is, if if you don't know that there was a similar incident in Oklahoma, the federal bombing. Yeah, um, Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, Timothy McVeigh, and I think ninety one. 
I want to say. So it's it's it was on a lot of the adults' mind at the time. So it was really impactful. Although we don't really talk about 9-11 around here, we do talk about the Oklahoma bombing every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about how our relationship to World War II and like, yeah, we, uh, it, it feels like ancient history um, in comparison yeah. to our parents who are like, how do you not know who Oppenheimer is? Right, but it's really fuck. not. It's it's really not. It's just like the speed of development since then has been astronomical, <laughs> like oh, well, probably that's, more that's than exponential. Yeah, so it just feels longer. You know, even yeah. since World War II, yeah. as, especially with all the science behind that stuff, like research ethics has have come a long way, um, especially in light of the tragedies that have happened and how we sent our doctors over to Japan and like just did not do a very good job treating people mm-hmm. in Japan is terrible. And now we have internet internal review boards for research, the IRB. Uh, so there's, there's a lot more um, restrictions on how you conduct research, what you can do research on and like all the things that you have to disclose. And I, I imagine that in large part, it has to do with the science that was being conducted around this time. Well, I think it must be somewhat similar to young people's relationship to nine 11. Mm. Um, like if I were to ask Hannah, my ex-girlfriend is 10 years younger than me. Uh, or any of her friends, like Mars or Finn, all these people like eight to ten years younger than me. I it is not not that we like talked about nine eleven, but it's not clear to me that they would remember where they were on nine eleven. You know, yeah, I don't think I don't like, think the majority of Gen Z Ren really. Yeah, because in, in comparison, I, I imagine it's the same for you, Jeff. That I clearly remember life pre nine eleven. The day that 9-11 happened, where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, and life after 9-11. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. Yeah. And having, having, you know, Maryland, Baltimore is only three hours from New York City. Oh, okay. Um, And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of family members and people in school had family members uh, that were in the towers or knew someone in the towers. Yeah, I mean, hell, yeah. dad. My, my dad drove by the Pentagon and saw the fucking plane in the yeah. Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, the Pentagon mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, Which, and even that, we forget about the Pentagon mm-hmm. and the plane that went down in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my uncle Doug is a nine eleven denier or whatever, and says my dad just saw some weird optical illusion. He didn't actually see the plane in the Pentagon or whatever. <sighs> That's some deep denial. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. Yeah, Uncle Doug sucks. But yeah, it's uh I mean these these moments of history they're only uh so relevant as people remember them. So there is importance in creating these long lasting media and documents uh, mm-hmm. that that are able to convey the like not just the uh, the historical the objective historical fact the objective historical reality, but also to convey the emotion and the feeling. You know, like it, we need barefoot Gen to remind people that 
yeah, like this is more than just the words on the page that, you know, Oppenheimer made an atomic bomb and dropped, mm-hmm. you know, then the president dropped it on Japan and 100,000 people died or whatever. It's like that's no. Lyndon B. Johnson, right? Yeah, was it Johnson? I keep saying the president because I don't remember, which again, my parents were like very disappointed in me that I didn't just remember off the cuff, you know, which uh, which president it was. Yeah, I think it is Lyndon B. Johnson. No, 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 FDR. FDR. I mean, FDR, and then when he died, um, Okay, then Lyndon B. Johnson is the Vietnam War era president. We should have invited a um, historic historian. <laughs> we should have invited just, somebody uh, who knew anything by. about World War II. <laughs> yeah, I know. Should have, well, we should have just asked him to come. Be like, all I know about World War II is from Barefoot Kid. That's about it. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Truman. No, I saw Saving Truman. Yeah, Ryan. Truman. I saw Saving Private Ryan, too. Oh, yeah. I saw si- Saving Private Ryan. Wasn't that a long movie? It was another long artistic one. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Truman was the president at the time. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, they make the point that um, they could have chose to display the bomb. Like, this is what the bomb can do to you, to J- you know, Japan and uh, the world. Uh but I forget, I'm trying to remember why they decided, okay, well, let's drop it. Let's not let anyone know about it and drop it. So there's not a chance for them to retaliate or is it to, so they don't, you know, what's the reasoning? But I feel like in my, I would have, I would have done that. I would have showed them like, this is, this is the power of the bomb. And, uh, yeah, you fuck with us. And well, longer. In, in the movie, <laughs> open, in the movie Oppenheimer, they framed this as a, as a strategic decision that it will be at its maximum, maximum effectiveness to just come out of nowhere and fuck them up and blindside mm. them rather than giving them time to prepare, time to retaliate, time to, um, not, not just ju- to, not just, um, practically prepare but also to emotionally prepare you know mm-hmm. that it will be better as a sneak attack or more effective as a sneak attack in quelling their um because that was that was the point of dropping the bombs was to force Japan to surrender right, right. it wasn't it wasn't to uh and they chose oh. civilian cities on purpose, right? Yes. Yes. It, yeah, it was not to um, destroy their military in a way that like they would have to surrender. It was it was not it was not about like military domination. It was about emotional domination, right? It was about cutting off their desire to keep fighting and making them feel as if they were in a position of then that they were in a unwinnable position against American military dominance, which now includes, you know, this fancy new bomb. Um, and that doing so would prevent a land-based invasion of the Japanese islands, which would just be like a complete bloodbath. That's what everybody felt at that time. Um, so the idea was that, no, we, we should, yeah, drop the bombs in the manner 
most shocking and most emotionally powerful because this will save the lives of untold American soldiers that would otherwise have to like do a land-based invasion and really like get in the trenches and fight it out until the Japanese aren't able to keep fighting militarily anymore. Man. Yeah. Oh, they no, they they it gets like one line in the second movie. Yeah. No, days I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, it is uh well, it just goes to show you that second place is the first place loser, right? Like nobody cares when you do it the second time. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's a bit callous to say in context, but you, you understand my point. Yeah. Well, I did not watch any of the Barefoot Gun movies, but I can tell you a movie that I have watched, and it's called In This Corner of the World. Have either of you guys seen this movie? Oh, you know, Morgan and I were going to watch that together at one point, but then she said she didn't want to watch it because she doesn't like war movies. That's basically what she said. Yeah, I do own. I actually own the movie on Blu-ray. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great movie. I think it's oh, good word. too. I started watching it on like Netflix. I was like, "Oh, this is an anime movie. We'll see what this is about." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck it was about <laughs> until you get like you know, kind of halfway through the movie, and then it's oh, this is wartime. This is a wartime film. Um, and there is only one. De- there's only really one graphic scene about a victim from the Hiroshima bombing uh, that's in the film, but that's it. That's, that's really it. Because mm. the main character is not in Hiroshima at the time. She's like in some village outside of Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more... But her... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's more, it's not a, it's sort of a love story in a way that's like, you know, that she marries that, she marries the soldier who goes off the war. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that they've been in love for this whole time since they were kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is very cute. And yeah, you kind of wonder, like all, all, all wartime love stories, I feel like are like this. I really like this person and then they go to a war and is this person alive? And then one day I see this person randomly. The girl, the girl ends up falling in love with the best friend, and then they come the, the soldier comes back to discover that they're in a relationship. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm yeah, thinking of, uh, I'm thinking specifically of, uh, Pearl Harbor, the movie mm. Pearl Harbor. Uh, oh yeah. But I feel like this, this movie tr- uh, trope is, been done in other movies uh mm. but yeah he does not come back and <laughs> in in this corner of the world spoiler <laughs> <laughs> one thing that i thought was interesting about barefoot again and really about um a lot of 
I mean, it's kind of this way in Grave of the Fireflies, too. They don't do very much demonizing of American military forces. And I, it's, it, I don't know if that's an attempt to make this, like, balanced sense of, of realism or a sense that, like, these are, like, oh, you know, we're talking about children and children don't have the full... Um, the the total grasp of the situation, so they're not exactly hating on Americans because they don't totally understand the concept of war. Um, and I I suppose American movie, I mean American movies really like got it. They kind of got it out for the Germans, but they don't necessarily got it out for the Japanese in the same way. At least from my perspective, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think in media, it's just done through a lot of racist stereotypes and carried on through the years uh, and all like the internment camps type stuff. Mm, mm. That, that, that's, I think, how we've done it. I am struggling to think of any Japanese anime that depicts Americans as evil bullies. Yeah, you know, the... It's interesting because I, I mean, I wouldn't blame them if they did, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, for it'd, real. It'd be a reasonable opinion to me, but, uh, and I don't know if that's because of the, uh, the way that America has built Japan back up after the bombs which I, I mean, I understand on paper that this is the, the trajectory of history, that we dropped the bombs and beat them up in World War II, then we like went out of our way to um, economically develop this country and, and help them rebuild, and that has sparked this long-standing cultural affinity between Japan and the USA. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, in practice, I, I don't totally understand all the, the micro level ways that this happened and what it all means. So I, I don't know if it's just like because they love Americans now when they go back and make World War II related media, they're just not apt to portray Americans in some really negative way. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I find it hard to believe that they're that that people that there's a feeling of sympathy. Like, I don't think it's a feeling of sympathy. I don't think anyone in Japan or my assumption is that there are not like big swaths of Japan that are like, Oh, we totally understand why they dropped the bomb on us. We just don't want anybody else to do it again. It was like, no, I don't not clear to me that it's like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I I don't know why it plays out that way. I mean, there's got to be a crossover. You know, World War II, being a World War II buff is like a totally separate hobby that is, mm-hmm. you know, reasonable and, and interesting. And, you know, people should be into it if they want to be into it. There's got to be some crossover of anime yeah. people that are also World War II people that can speak yeah. to this a little bit better. Yeah, write us an email, the OHC podcast at gmail.com. Tell yeah. us all about all the things we're getting wrong. <laughs> yeah. get, on, get on the Discord and be like, <laughs> if your parents were disappointed in you, then you don't even want to know how I feel about you. 
I mean, all you have to know is everything that happens in four years, right? So <laughs> it's 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 relatively easier than all the Middle East stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Middle East is a whole other uh, yeah set of of atrocities and yeah the the horrors of of war and the human condition and it's from an American standpoint, we get even less of, we get even less window into that than we do into world war two, even though it's like currently happening around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a laundry list of reasons as to why this is everything from like, um, the way we romanticize history in comparison to like grappling with the real things around us. And I think that's just part of the human condition or like mm. the human experience all the way to like, yeah, like what, you know, news is big business and capitalism and what, what gets clicks, what doesn't, um, all the way to, to you know, racism, blah, blah, blah. It, there, there's many reasons why it's that way, but I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, um, I mean, fuck it. And Saudi Arabia is still at war with Yemen. Like, aren't they still bombing Yemen? People fucking starving to death in Yemen. Like, uh, this, yeah, it's quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Has anyone else sat through the uh, 14 hours of the Ken Burns documentary, The War? No, is there a 14 no. hour documentary about something? I haven't I haven't watched his one on World War World War Two. Yeah, I I definitely went through a phase of watching these documentaries, and yeah, it's four, it's seven episodes, but it's fourteen hours total. Um, yeah, it just depicts like the ins and outs, the daily lives of the families and soldiers in America. But they they like they so this this documentary doesn't focus too much on the Japanese from their perspective, but if you watch his documentary on Vietnam, the Vietnam war, it does. It like, it, it tries to do like 50, 50. Um, yeah. It does a little bit. It does a little tries bit. Is the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try tries is definitely the keyword there. Mm-hmm. I, it took me, it was really hard for me to watch the Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, documentary series. Cause my grandma came over from during that time from Vietnam and I didn't really learn any history about it at all until I'm like in my twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I know Ken Burns. I watched his documentary on Yellowstone park or the, the national parks and prohibition. And I thought those were good. Let's watch this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize I was going to be sobbing for like every episode and only be able to get through one every Every week <laughs> yeah it's that's a hard one very powerful though mm-hmm. his, his the way that he d- that the way that his productions are very impactful yeah mm. yeah i watched the one on, on jazz as well um that, oh yeah i did not one. go through that one it took a while oh but what do you think oh i learned a lot like i i owe that documentary to my understanding of yeah, uh, the impact of jazz and just sort of the Americana of, you know, just American music in general and appreciation yeah. for jazz. Like my dad got me into jazz yeah. and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, anime featured a lot of jazz. So it was sort of a an easy transition uh, to listen to it, to discover it. 
Um, but yeah, and then when I watched the documentary, I was like, oh, I, it was a definitely a history lesson. And and then, that's cool. Yeah, and I guess like it does feel that way with Ken Burns documentaries. Like you're in <laughs> you're in school watching a documentary for for class assignment, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, can you imagine if he did like a you know Hiroshima Nagasaki documentary? Oh, it'd be very in depth. Mm-hmm. It'd be very yeah. If he just focused on that. That would be insane. Yeah. And it's all from the Japanese. They're like 90% of the Japanese perspective. Yeah. There's a scene in the um, second Barefoot Gen movie where um, the Americans are dumping bones into a mass grave. Um, yeah. And that, I, that's the only scene that's meaningfully critical of the Americans. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and I, I, I don't know how the Americans, how we handled this. I tried to do a little bit of research, but I couldn't find anything. Um, but I can imagine. Uh, like, on what? On what exactly? Just, like, did, did Americans bury, how did, how did the Americans treat the bodies and, rem, like, the, the body parts and bones of the dead? Did, did they... Cremate them, like what, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah, because in, in Barefoot Gen 2, they basically just have, like, a pile of bones, and they've dug a mass grave, and they're just using a, uh, oh, what's the, what's the bulldozer? word? The, the what? Bulldozer. bulldozer. Yeah, they're, they're just bulldozing this pile of bones into a mass grave, and it's just like, you know, would otherwise just be a pile of dirt at a construction site you know, in, in effect. And all mm-hmm. the all the Japanese citizens are standing around going like, wow, they're really disrespecting the dead. This is terrible. The dead will never rest in peace if, mm-hmm. you know, their bodies are disposed of in such a haphazard and casual manner. Yeah. Which makes me think of mm-hmm. Vietnam, too, in that sense. Because then that, you know, yeah. like, that's yeah. parallel. Like, yeah. if, they did it, if they did it in, J- in Japan, then they definitely did it in Vietnam, or vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it's tricky. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Well, Tell isn't, me, that, isn't well. that part of the Geneva Conventions? I feel like there <laughs> is some sort of rules of engagement in there somewhere about how about some about stuff like this. I could be yeah. wrong, and like nobody gives a fuck about what you, the UN says. I get that. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this, I thought that, that there were some rules somewhere about what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. No, this this is, uh, I'm sure that this is true. And there's probably many people, you know, where this would be applicable information that also try their best to follow through with it. There's probably many people that don't as well. Yeah. I mean, look at how we treat the World Bank. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, will will you just break all the rules? There's <laughs> <laughs> um, one other scene I wanted to touch on in the second movie uh, where Gen is walking with his umbrella. It's raining outside, and he has his umbrella. And um, it kept, I kept thinking of the Japan Six. Guy. Yeah, there's an old guy yeah. sitting outside, and he's just like basically giving up. He doesn't want to live anymore. He's like, I'm not doing anything because there's nothing to do. Like, I, I don't have anything left. 
and uh, Gen gives him an umbrella, um, comes back later, and he's still out there. And I kept thinking of Japan Sinks. There's a scene in that movie where, mm. you know, Japan is literally sinking and collapsing, uh, earthquakes everywhere, mm. and they give this old couple a bottle of water. Oh, uh, fuck that. Yeah, I knew, I wondered if you were going to go there. Yeah. This is a historic moment on this podcast of me and Amelia arguing <laughs> about this for like 40 minutes. <laughs> do you give the bottle or do you keep it for yourself? And mm. this theme of collectivism well, pops up a lot in Japanese culture. It's like it's not it's not safe. even it's not even that she offered the issue isn't whether she offered the bottle of water or not. The issue is that you know offering the bottle of water is a reasonable thing to do, but then the grandma fucking keeps it as if this was a gift. Like I'm just oh. giving you a bottle of water rather than just taking a swig or two and giving it back. That's right. That was what the argument was about. Okay. Cause Amelia, for some reason seemed to think it was okay. It's like, Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even offer it unless you're willing to give 100%, you know, like don't even offer your bottle of water unless you are willing to just give up the whole thing. I'm like, what? the hell no way you know like if i offer to give somebody a ride in my car i expect that it's still going to be my car by the time they get to their destination like no fuck that dumbass grandma fucking stealing our main character's bottle of water she's a bitch (laughs) fuck her fucking main character you know she should have stood up i mean i wish she had stood up for herself and just snatched that shit back be like hey can i have that back now Mm-mm-mm. Well, the old man does not keep the umbrella. <laughs> yeah, the old man. The old man teams up with all the orphans. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a, rene- he, he just, a renewed, mute, renewed sense of purpose. Well, it's not exactly a renewed sense of purpose. It's just somewhere, somewhere to be because the orphans just kind of take them in. Like, yeah, we we are society's, uh, you know, left behinds. You know, you can come. Come hang out at our house. You know, you don't got to sit outside alone. You can sit in a room of people alone. Um, because truly, you know, the I mean, we see this in Grave of the Fireflies a little bit more eloquently. That yeah, the the wartime orphan is truly uh, just just lost, and there is no one looking out for them because everyone is too concerned. Not too concerned, but everyone has their own immediate needs that needs to be fu- that are required to be fulfilled so that they can continue to live and they don't have anything extra you know emotionally um resource wise don't have anything extra to give to random ass kids that they don't have any relation to and we mm-hmm. see this in barefoot again too and i'm thinking specifically of the scene in um, the second movie where the shop owner starts yelling at some orphan kid like, hey, hey, you know, go go sleep somewhere else, move. And Gen and his surrogate brother are like, hey, you know, hey, teacher, leave that kid alone. And the shop owner is like, no, like all the all the street kids are just dying because they're freezing to death at night. We just had a kid die like a couple doors down. I don't want this kid dying in front of my business and disturbing my customers. Mm. He's got to go. It's kind of how we treat Uh, uh, the homeless in our country as well. Yeah. Sure. Sure. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, for better or for worse, uh, this is this is just an innately human thing, in my opinion. You know, tribalism in group, out group. That uh, we we are we feel compelled and driven to take care of our own, but who are who qualifies as our own? Yeah, very much up up for debate. I kind of agree with that. I've been challenging that lately, though. I think maybe the way that society is structured now or like just the horrible things that happens really pushes us to um, like the extreme ends of in-group, out-group politics. Yeah. Uh, and in a in like in in a world where there is no war, right? <laughs> um, in, in a more peaceful society, that mm-hmm. wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think relatively to now, well, relative to then, to now in Japan, it's pretty peaceful. Like, you know, you can, you can send your kid on an errand and uh you can be five years yeah. old and they'll be come back in one piece no one's gonna rob them yeah. or kidnap them um it's true i mean they all they all fucking walk to school by themselves mm-hmm. yeah and that and that cultural difference really shows in this movie like i i think you know i was trying to make draw some a big picture trying to draw some lines in this post-world war um it creators that from the post World War World War Two, like Miyazaki and Leiji Matsumoto, and how they are affected by the war um, and their creations. You don't like see these themes necessarily in modern anime. Like these these auteurs that came out of this era are much mm-hmm. different than the ones coming out now. Like where the, a lot of the themes in movies are about love and romance and like sort of fantastical ideas um mm-hmm. you know i, I th- that generation is basically about to die off right in the next 10 to 10 to 20, 15 years i'm sure like they're not gonna be making art anymore so uh, hey i don't know what i'm trying to say i guess like how important is it to keep these ideas alive and like what does it mean for ent- entertainment in japan mm. yeah well i i think it's important uh, it's easy to feel some level of distance from the atrocities, from the carnage of human history. Mm-hmm. But these kinds of stories, like Barefoot Gen, do a good job of, yeah, you know, as I was saying earlier, not not just capturing the historical fact, but capturing the historical emotion. Right. It's pretty and, cool that the that a film from. I, well, it's only the 80s, right? But about World, World War II is still so emotionally impactful today. I think yeah. that really is a, is a credit to the, to the work. And in regards to your question, Jeff, I think that uh, the, the ideas are, are still there as part of like a legacy. Like, I feel like much of anime has a very strong anti-war sentiment. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, I, and I think that's just Japanese culture and politic in general. Yeah, now. Yeah. So it w- hasn't always been like that. Yes, you know that. correct. This is true. 
So I think that, you know, it, it may be a little bit more generic, but it does still like find its way into like the genealogy of art or something. Right. Like yeah, like the DNA, it's like it's like not always yeah. on the surface per se, but it's right. built in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I think mean, even just with like I think about Evangelion. But uh, even like Hideaki Anno is still a child of that era in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. I'm thinking about how war is portrayed in American media versus the, the anime that we watch and how we often view war. Like if you are against the war, if you are against war as an American, I think often wars framed at least in in my circles the way that i think of to be against war i think of war as like yeah this is you know quote unquote powerful people playing you know these twisted games with other people's lives they're just just doing these arbitrary things without care for their fellow human you know without understanding um the cost of their actions they're just doing because they can and i i think a lot of american media i mean certainly punk has you know, like has lots of of media records music writing along these lines and I, I think we see this too in television in in movies the idea i mean saving even saving private ryan kind of this way the idea of the disgruntled soldier that is doesn't understand his purpose or his place in Vietnam, like full metal jacket, all movies about Vietnam war based around the idea of the disgruntled soldier that doesn't understand why they have to do the things they're being asked to do. They just feel compelled to do them because of their immediate circumstance. But nonetheless, it's like, you know, I've I've been cast in this position where I feel powerless to do something other than the path immediately laid out for me. But the path immediately laid out for me is bullshit, and it's bullshit by the people in charge who don't know you know don't know uh, shit from chat and have no concept of what it's like on the ground. And if they only knew, they wouldn't be asking us to do all these things. They could come to a another. Uh, another compromise they could they could find another solution that that doesn't involve so much human sacrifice Uh, and when we see how war is portrayed in anime and in what i my experience of of japanese culture and media it's like we we barely even see soldiers like look at barefoot gen the only time you see japanese soldiers is like in for like 30 seconds in the opening scenes of the first movie in um in uh grave of the fireflies you don't see japanese soldiers this is not even a thing mm-hmm. you know like there's a presumption that they're out there the kids really believe right up until they they die they really believe like no my dad is still out there fighting the americans you know but they, mm-hmm. they you never see any of that uh, you only see war as portrayed by the individuals 
the civilian individuals that suffer from war that are immediately and directly impacted from war. So we, we don't see war portrayed as this like, you know, the, the sick twisted power games of, of madmen. You see war portrayed as just, just the individual on the ground suffering by virtue of other people, you know, attacking them by, by virtue of being a victim of foreign aggression, but they never demonize the foreign aggressor either. So it's, it's just, it's not, there's not even some emotional, like, oh, like, I hate the Americans and we're going to keep surviving because fuck the Americans. It's just pure, unadulterated misery. You know, it's like, there is no great emotional bounce back or no, no like, real conviction of, of, like, oh, I'm in conflict, so I have to rally and stay strong. It's just pure fucking misery. And I think that's part of what makes. Barefoot Gen and, and Grave the Firefly is so, yeah, just, just emotionally difficult. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I wonder, I wonder if that's the difference between kind of being the aggressor versus being uh, the victim. And I, I want to skip any kind of conversation about, well, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor first. So in blah, 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 who was really the aggressor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, that's a different conversation that I'm not historically well equipped to have, but I mean, in, in a broad context, you know, we see America as being the aggressor that is asking itself, why, why are we aggressing? And we see the Japanese, uh, being like, damn, this fucking sucks. Like (laughs) fucking hell. This is terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good and point. I, yeah, and I, I guess that that is uh, maybe that's part of the meaning of to have a national consciousness and to have a a national identity and um, a national worldview. You know, because it's, it's true that when I, yeah, when I think of war, I think of not necessarily like I think of the suffering of the individual, but I, I think of the uh, the like the why the why more so than the abject horror and immorality of, of like this is this is a thing that occurs i think of mm-hmm. the the immorality of the why hmm. Hmm. but at the same time you know what tackles this i'm going to bring this uh back to one of our overarching themes of this podcast do you know what story tackles these kinds of questions out of anime legend of the galactic hmm, heroes. i wonder <laughs> i wonder legend of the galactic heroes baby oh, you, if you want to understand war you got to watch legend of the galactic heroes next <laughs> one of these days we'll have a separate podcast uh we'll, we'll break down every episode yeah that'd be great we could do like same way strictly series kind of got got their offshoot we could have our offshoot mm-hmm. just 110 episodes of me talking about legend of the galactic <laughs> heroes breakdown baby So this scene, this scene where Yang reads a book and narrates it for 15 <laughs> minutes is extremely important. <laughs> oh man. Um, Jeff, any, any final thoughts here? I highly recommend everyone to watch at least the first movie because it's such an important historical artistic piece of expression. Like it just, 
it, it if you watched Oppenheimer, this needs to be your follow up course. This needs to be your yeah your chaser uh, to really just yes. like bring it home for you. Because if you don't understand if you don't really understand the full gravity of the bomb, then like and just like yeah, just the full gravity of it, then then this is a good this is a good place to start. Don't watch. There's a couple of documentaries on YouTube that you can watch, but um, you know those are sort of like the the, the visuals and the the, um, the study of the burn marks and the effects of the of the bomb on real people. Uh, there's like mm-hmm. you know these documentaries that have come out. I think the United States had put out, and also learned that the that America took uh samples uh samples of yeah. of tissues and bo- yeah. and you know, right we, we did fucked up things yeah and we just gave <laughs> them back to japan like it's so crazy like you know there's these things that we just don't know about or forget um so you should definitely watch these they're, they're on youtube and uh, retro crush has the first movie i don't know if the second movie was ever licensed hmm there's also live action. There's a 76 live action movie that I'm going to try to seek out um, in a TV show that came out in 2007. There's a two episode TV series. Um, so I'm kind of interested in watching those. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I also recommend this movie. Or the first Barefoot Gen movie is a follow up to Oppenheimer. I think they unintentionally complement themselves very well. And this is kind of exploring a similar topic from two different angles. Um, and yeah, in reality, Barefoot Gen is the first one. Second one is good. First one also is, is just fucking great on its own merits and is, is worth a watch regardless of the context. Well, then I'll have to watch it. <laughs> Guess it's my homework. <laughs> my homework is to watch this now that I know everything about this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll so I'm prepared. So we're recording on Discord, and I think Anime Brothers is recording right now, too. <laughs> we need to pop pop in there? Uh, yeah, exactly. Should we roll up on it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, If you would like to get your past, present, and future episodes of Otaku Host Club podcast, head over to our website, otakuhostclub.com, where you can find links to our Instagram and our Discord server. Come to our Discord server and chat with us uh, in between episodes. We have a podcast chat channel that's very active. Um, Thank you to everybody who subscribes to our show or sends us an email. We love getting your emails. So if if you want us to read one on air, because Amelia does that, uh, email the OHC podcast at gmail.com. And of course, our patron supporters, thank you so much for financially supporting the show uh, for at least a buck or more a month, where we release early episodes and extra content like Amelia's Anime Hour. And we'll see y'all in the next episode. Yeah, I think our, our next episode is the live action One Piece. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about, yeah, y'all are going to talk about one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to get bloody. Yeah. <laughs> and my name is Amelia, and I will definitely like it because I actually like these live action adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It does. No comment. <laughs> right.
See you in a couple weeks. Okay. Bye. Bye.